in my room at the rectory here at the, at the parish, I have several paintings. Uh, they're copies, they're not originals. But there's one that was my first one that I bought um, when I was first ordained and I came to Houston. And uh, it hangs in my room. There's a little sitting room. And in the little, little sitting room, there is a, a fake fireplace. And uh, it is the, um, the sort of the, the focal center of the room. And right above that fireplace is the painting that I am referring to. It looks like a, a young version of me, um, viewed sideways. The background is totally white, and it is the picture of a, uh, the painting of a Civil War Union soldier. And it's fairly close up, probably from the, ch the stomach up. And he's looking to the side that way, and the painting is done this way. The reason I, I have, I've had that hanging there for a long time. And I, that's my favorite painting of all. People have asked me why, and I know exactly why. It is my favorite painting. Because I identify that as me. Not because I'm particularly young, because I'm an old guy now. But I identify it as me because he's a soldier. Now, whenever I've shared this, it has not been people's favorite imagery, but I can tell you that it's my favorite imagery. If you think about what it is, what is the sacrament that makes me a priest? What is, well, in your head, just say the words, holy orders, right? Take away the adjective. And you get orders. It's interesting because every one of us has to have a um, some kind of a relationship with Jesus. And I don't know about other other people, but I have never been able to have a sort of a sweet Jesus relationship with Jesus. You know, like he's, the church uses a lot of times that he is the, 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 the groom and the church is the bride. And I, that's very, very true. But I, I always remember, do you remember the, the, the parable? Not parable, actually. It, it, it's an occurrence in the Gospels where a centurion comes to Jesus. And the centurion says to Jesus, please come to my home 
for my servant. I can't remember if it's my servant or my daughter. No, please, my daughter is very ill. And Jesus, Jesus then says, I will come to your house. And the centurion answers what we use at Mass all the time. The centurion says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but save at the word and my servant will be healed. Now we use it, my soul will be healed. And then we don't say any more, but the centurion says something more. The centurion says, I myself am a man under orders. And I tell my servant, come, and he comes. And I tell my other servant, go do this. And he goes and does it. And Jesus says that he's amazed by this Roman soldier's faith. And I understand that Roman soldier. I understand it. Now, this is not only an image of a priest, because I am under orders, under holy orders, and I feel myself very much to be, how should I say this? I feel myself very much to be that he is my commanding officer, that Jesus is my commanding officer. Yeah, it's, it's always uh, enjoyable, enjoyable, enjoyable for me just to tell you a little bit of secret of what goes on in the background of my own head. When I'm standing, as you saw me, I'm standing looking at the icon of Jesus before I take the gospel book and I put it up. I am amazed because if you notice the icon of Jesus, it's the face of Jesus. And I am amazed at the penetrating gaze that he has into my soul at that moment, just a, about a minute ago, because he, I am standing before my commanding officer. Now, why do I say that? Because it's part of the gospel today. And by the way, this is not only applies to me as a priest because I'm in holy orders. Most of us can remember, because I think most of us here are a little bit on the older side, shall we say. Remember when we were growing up and uh, we were taught about confirmation? That confirmation made you a soldier of Christ. And that was good imagery. I know that it is not popular these days because we're not used to militaristic imagery. But it was a good image. And for those of you who are younger, uh, you used to get a little slap uh, when you got confirmed. Nothing whenever I tell younger people that, that you got confirmed and the bishop gave you a little slap. I'm not talking about, you know, like that. He would just go like this. And it's interesting because it was meant to remind you that you were a witness to Christ, that you were a soldier, and that you were being asked to have the faithfulness of a soldier. Now, you still might be wondering, why in God's green earth is Father Mario talking about this? 
And let me tell you why. Because of the gospel today. I, the, the, the second part of the gospel today is probably one of my favorites. And you might be, you might be surprised that it's one of my favorites. But every time I celebrate Mass, I am always impacted by the last two lines of the gospel today. Now listen to um, the last two lines of the gospel today. Listen to this. Um, well, Jesus says about the servant, and he says, uh, uh, I, he says, if, if a person, if a man has a servant who just came in from plowing and tending the sheep or the field, does the man say to his servant, come here and sit at table, and I will wait on you? Doesn't he actually say, come and I will sit down and you come and serve me and you can eat afterwards? Now, at first, that may not, that may not be communicating extremely clear, clear to you, but imagine this. See, right here, in front, right here, this guy, no, this guy right here in the white hair. This guy's name is John. John Winselowitz, okay? Now, John Winselowitz works for the parish, and he does a great job, an amazing job for the parish. He was in charge of adult education, and he runs our bulletin, runs most of our internet stuff and uh, website and everything. John comes to work every single day. Now, let me ask you this question, because I think that this is what Jesus is tending to. Do you think that in the morning when I get to the office and John is already there, should I make it my first stop to go to John's office and say, John, thank you for coming to work. I know you would like me to do that, John, but I'm not going to do that. Should I, do I have a responsibility to go to John's office every morning and say, John, thank you for coming to work? Well, of course not. Why not? Why shouldn't I thank John for coming to work? Because that's his responsibility. That is his duty. That's his duty. When John has done everything that his job requires him to do, he should have to say only, Father, you don't have to thank me. I only did what was expected of me, given my job. That is what Jesus is saying today. Now notice that even though John, I, I am not his commanding officer, God is, but I am the local supervisor. Okay, As pastor, I'm not commanding officer, I'm just local guy. But nevertheless, the way that all of us work, well, you know, when I, when I go to the, I, just last week I had to go see the cardinal. I'm not in trouble. Just had some business to run. And 
When I go to see the cardinal, he doesn't say, oh, Father Mario, thank you for being a pastor. No. He knows. I'm, he knows that I have to do my duty. That's my job. And he, I don't think the Pope looks at the cardinal and says, oh, thank you for being a cardinal. We all know that we are under orders in some way or another. Every one of us is under orders, and every one of us does what we do because it's our duty. Now, see, that's a word that isn't really very much liked by people today. It's your duty. But I love that word. I love that word because I feel sometimes like, like Christians, we should be, we should have as much emotion or loyalty as we do when, for example, you're doing something for someone you love. Or say, for example, like, let me give you an example for me. I'm an immigrant to this country. Um, I'm from Cuba, and I came when I was 10 years old. I get chills when I sing the national anthem. You know, and I know the United States isn't perfect, but I get chills because I love this country. I love what it stands for. But even more, I think a Christian should love his citizenship in heaven. And when you love that citizenship in heaven, you're willing to take orders because you know that is your allegiance. Some years ago, I, I, I wrote a, a pledge of allegiance and I lost it. I don't know what I did with it. But it was a pledge of allegiance. It was a pledge of allegiance that I had everybody say it on the Feast of Christ the King. And I had, I had us do a pledge of allegiance not to the United States of America or to the flag of the United States of America. Pledge of allegiance to Christ the King of the universe. So why am I saying this? Listen to the last sentence of the, of the gospel today. Actually, the last two sentences. It says here, So should it be with you. Here's the last sentence. When you have done all that you have been commanded to do, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done nothing more than we were obliged to do. Now, what's the context of this? The context is that the apostles have just gotten come back. Jesus sent them out two by twos, and they come back, and they come back saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. Even when we preach the good news, even the demons run away from us. And that's when Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Now, immediately afterward, a couple of sentences afterwards, 
Jesus goes into this. He goes into, uh, because the apostles now are so full of, yay, you know, we're, we did this. And the apostles then say, Lord, increase our faith. They want more power, you know, more authority. And of course, Jesus says, if your faith were as big as a mustard seed, you would tell the, the sycamore tree to move. But then after he finishes that, he goes into this, this example of the man who works for another man, and he is his servant. And that's when he comes in and says, when you have done all that you have been commanded to do, don't go around with your chest out there going, <laughs> you know, I'm... I am a priest, or I am a businessman, or I am a, I'm a cardinal, or I'm a pope. When you have done everything that you have been commanded to do by your commanding officer, you are to say, we are unprofitable servants. By the way, the, the original Greek says worthless slaves. Okay? But they softened it a little bit for our Western sensibilities. We are unprofitable servants. We have done nothing more than our duty. Now, think about the attitude. Think about the attitude that you have to have in order to say that. Now, let me join in, let me join this in a little bit to Mass. Now, there's a little part of the Mass that refers directly to this. Now, I, I, whenever I have, want to quote the Mass, I'm always having to say the, you know how sometimes you have to, to do the whole thing before you can remember the little piece of it, okay? So I'm going to ask you to uh, play along with me so that I can remember it correctly, and you'll know. So uh, if I say to you, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Here it comes. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. What did you just say? It is right and just. Now let me ask you, okay, let's examine those two words. It is right. Yes, it is right. That we should what? Give, let's give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, but notice the second word. It is just. Why is it just that we give thanks to the Lord our God? Because notice the implication. The implication is that if you don't give thanks to the Lord, that it is an injustice. Now think about it. If, if it is justice that we give thanks to the Lord our God, would it not be injustice if we don't? And the answer is yes. Now you might say, wait a minute, wh why is it unjust? Think about this. What is the definition of, a definition of justice? And I would say giving someone what they have a right to receive, that you cannot 
You cannot deprive someone of someone that is their right. If John works for the parish, it would be unjust for me to withhold his salary when he has worked. He has a right to that by the relationship of employee-employer. Now, why do we have to give thanks to God and why is it justice? Because God is our creator. And if we do not give thanks to him, we are depriving or choosing not to give what we owe him. We owe him our lives. Now, at first, that might go, well, yeah, but isn't it supposed to be, like, voluntary? Yes. Yes. But even if you don't want to do it, you still are obliged to do it. Like, for example, John might make me mad one day. I don't know for what reason. But I don't have the right to withhold his paycheck just because he made me mad. Okay? That would be unjust. And so my private relationship does not have anything to do with the relationship that we have as employer-employee. It's the same thing with God. We owe God our very existence. Our very existence. And so whether you believe in him or not, you owe him the fact that you exist. And we owe our salvation and everything to him. Now, follow that a little bit further. Because I had a person, we were following this argument back and forth. And this person said to me, well, what if I don't believe in God? What if I, I don't believe in God? Why should I give him thanks? Well, because we are talking about what reality is, regardless of what you believe. Now notice, let me explain that. Notice that when the priest, when you have said that, it is right and just. I start what's called the preface. And it starts like this. And you'll hear it at Mass in a few minutes. You'll hear. It is right and just. It is our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks, almighty and ever-living God. That is, every time you come to Mass, it is, I, I affirm what you just said, because you said it is right and just. And I affirm that. I say it is right and just. It is our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks, almighty and ever-living God. Notice I added two. The, do, the justice, to do justice even to God is your duty. That is your duty to God. Now, the, uh, the next word is really the linchpin. It is your duty and it is our duty and our salvation. Notice this, that not giving thanks to God means rejecting your salvation. Now you're getting a little more serious here. 
Now, I'm gonna exp- we're going to have to get there. Why? Because, well, you know, I'm a good person. I, I, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. What do you think heaven is? Do you think heaven is when you're going to go there and God's going to be there and he's going to say, oh, you were such a good person. I don't care if you didn't like me, but you were such a good person. Uh Uh-uh. Heaven is you, the internal part of you, transformed into the relationship of gratitude to God. God, the gratitude that you have as a human being to God is heaven. That is heaven. Let me give you an example from the scriptures. Do you remember the story of the ten lepers? Ten lepers are screaming to Jesus and saying, please, master, clean us, help us. And Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest and make the proper sacrifice because you've been cleansed. And so the ten of them go. And then it says in the gospel, as they were going, one of them realized that he had been cleansed. And that person, realizing that he was cleansed, turned around and went back to Jesus, knelt before him, and thanked him. Jesus says, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has only this Samaritan come back back to give thanks? And then listen to what he says. Jesus then says, get up and go your way. Listen, your faith is your, has been your salvation. I want you to notice this, that the other nine received the miracle. They did not receive salvation. The healing of their body had nothing to do with the healing of their hearts. Nothing to do. Go your way. Why? Because his gratitude, his attitude of gratitude had been his salvation. One last story. Do you remember when the paralytic, the guy that they couldn't get in, and so they take the roof apart and they lower him down? What does the paralytic want? He wants to walk. He wants to walk. So when he's come down and he's laying there in his mat, Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. What do you think was going through the paralytic's mind? In his head, he was going, "Uh, thank you, uh, but that's not exactly what I was looking for. Your sins are forgiven. Then, Jesus looks at the scribes and the Pharisees, and he notices how they're angry because they're thinking, only God can forgive sins. And look at, how come he's forgiving sins? Then notice what Jesus says next. 
He says, why do such thoughts enter your minds? So that you may know that the Son of Man in this world has authority to forgive sins, which is easier to say. Your sins are forgiven, which nobody can see, or get up and take your mat and go home. And Jesus says, so that you may know that I have the authority to forgive sins. Then he turns to the paralytic and he says, take your mat and go home. What was his motivation? What was Jesus' priority when that man came down? I want you to notice that Jesus' priority was not his physical healing. It was not his physical healing. The, spirit, the, the priority that Jesus had was the state of his soul. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus used that. Why does he heal him? He doesn't heal him for the guy, for the paralytic. He heals him as a sign to the scribes and Pharisees so that you may know. Now, why is this important? because of what I say right after you say, it is right and just. And, I, and you'll hear it in about three, five minutes, as soon as I shut up. You'll hear, it is right and just. It is our duty and our salvation. There is no salvation without personal gratitude for what God has done for you. Why? Because that is salvation. Salvation is the restoration of the spirit of gratitude in your relationship with God. That's why it is right. That's why it is just. That's why it is our duty and our salvation that we be grateful to God. And so finishing, that's why it's it's such a thrill for me uh, because I, I keep on looking at that soldier in my room and I'm not in the army. <laughs> I'm not in the priesthood because I have to be. I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, With you, I am a Christian. For you, I am a priest. The former, the, the, the latter, the priesthood is a responsibility. The latter, my baptism is my salvation. And I love what I do, and I love being grateful to God for having called me to be a son in baptism and for each one of us to be called to do whatever he has called us to do. We all are, in a sense, under holy orders.